Good morning, everyone. I hope that you're having a great Easter Sunday morning. Uh, I'm going to be using the Gospel of Luke today in uh, chapter 23, verses 50 through the end of the chapter. And then we're going to be using Luke 24, verses 1, all the way down to verse 12. It's interesting about the, the Gospel accounts. The, each one of the Gospels gives a slightly uh, different view of the death and resurrection, the burial and resurrection of Jesus. Same event, burial and resurrection, but they give some different details. For instance, John, in the Gospel of John, he just reports that Mary Magdalene was one of the women that went to the tomb. And in Luke's Gospel, we'll find out that he mentions all the ladies, all the women that went to the tomb. So some people say that the, the Gospels contradict themselves in the burial and resurrection of Christ, but I don't believe that's the case at all. It just gives different ingredients or different perspectives of the same two events, the burial of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus. Now, what I want to speak to you about this morning are four reasons why I believe in the resurrection. And so we'll begin with number one, God's orchestration of people in places for his purpose. He's always moving pieces of the puzzle around to fit his purpose. He has people in the right place at the right time for his purpose. And we see that with Joseph of Arimathea. Verse 50 says, chapter 23, verse 50. Now there was a good and righteous man named Joseph. He was a member of the Jewish high council. But he had not agreed with the decision and actions of the other religious leaders. He was from the town of Arimathea in Judea, and he was waiting for the kingdom of God to come. He went to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. Then he took the body down from the cross and wrapped it in a long sheet of linen cloth and laid it in a new tomb that had been carved out of rock. This was done late on Friday afternoon, the day of preparation, as the Sabbath was about to begin. So Joseph of Arimathea, an interesting fella. He was, first of all, a wealthy man. He was educated. He was a member of the high council, the Sanhedrin. He was a secret disciple of Jesus. And we discover this in the Gospel of John. And he was not pleased with the trial and the crucifixion of Jesus. Now, the point I want to make today is that God orchestrates the movement of people and the people to the proper places so that his purpose can be fulfilled. Now, not, not just anyone could go see Pilate. Not just anyone would have his ear. It had to be someone that was connected politically connected, religiously connected, and that's Joseph of Arimathea. He was a member of the Sanhedrin, so he could go to Pilate and make his request. Now think about how difficult it would be if, if you were to give a request to the President of the United States, if you were to get a hearing up with Trump. Most likely, none of us here in this today would have easy access to the president. I myself would have no access to the president. And so it's a very important point, I think, in proof of the resurrection is that God had Joseph of Arimathea right where he needed to be for the burial of Jesus. Now, it says in Isaiah 53, 9, 
that the Son of Man would die between the criminals, and we know that he had the thief on the right and thief on the left, also that he would be buried in a wealthy man's grave. Now, that's Joseph of Arimathea, a secret disciple of Christ until he saw how um, Jesus was treated in the trial and in the crucifixion and he could stay silent no more, and he came forward and he requested, requested the body of Jesus, and he took him to his own tomb. It was a new tomb. It was, had not been used before. It was a nice tomb. It was a wealthy man's tomb, and that's Joseph of Arimathea. Isaiah 53:9, 700 years before Jesus was born, said, that the Messiah, Jesus, would be buried in a rich man's tomb. And so all those years, God was working in the life of Joseph of Arimathea for this very time in the, the story of God's redeeming the world. So that's number one. That's one of the reasons why I believe that the resurrection is real. It's true. You can count on it. The second thing is this. God always has faithful people. He's always got faithful believers, even in the darkest of places and even in the most difficult of times. Now, here we have these faithful women, Mary Magdalene. We have his mother. We have all these ladies of Galilee that had followed Jesus, that had been there to care and meet the needs of Jesus and disciples along the way. And here they are, they were there and they witnessed the crucifixion and now they have witnessed the taking of his body to the tomb. And that's a really important point. And we pick this story up in verse 55 of chapter 23. As his, as his body was taken away, the women from Galilee followed and saw the tomb where his body was placed. Now that's key, that's really important. There was an eyewitness, not just one, but several women. They had, it was eyewitness accounts that they knew exactly where his body was placed. Now, that took away the authorities' ability to be able to broadcast to the public that all this talk about that the Messiah rose from the grave, that this Jesus resurrected from the dead, is because the disciples simply mistook which grave he was placed in. And he's still in that grave. They just don't know where the grave is. But that couldn't happen because there was eyewitness. Uh, these women were eyewitnesses to exactly the tomb that Jesus was laying in. Nicodemus was also with Joseph Arimathea, eyewitness. And these ladies are eyewitness to exactly the tomb that he was placed in. It says in verse 56, then they went home and prepared spices and ointments to anoint his body. But by the time they were finished, the Sabbath had begun. So they rested as required by the law. Then we pick it up in chapter 24. But very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. They found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. So they went in, but they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. You see, there's no mistaken tomb. 
There, there's no mistake that was made. The night, the, uh, the, the Sabbath evening, they were there and they saw the tomb. They return on Sunday morning and they know where he's buried. They know where that grave is. You know as well as I do that in cemeteries today that you know exactly where your grandparents are. You know exactly where your mom and dad are buried. And, and there's no question about that. You can drive right in that cemetery and you can walk right to that grave. This was an important thing. There's no way in the world these women forgot which tomb he was in. And they went directly there. But it's interesting that here you have the most faithful people were the women that were along for all the activities that Jesus had done. And so God always has his people, even the darkest of places and in the most difficult of times. It's very interesting that in dark, cold, spiritually dead North Korea, there are believers worshiping the Lord this Easter Sunday in the most difficult places for the gospel, the places where it's, it's not been accepted, it's against the law, it's illegal. People are tortured, people are, are persecuted, they are martyred because they believe in Christ. Jesus is alive and well in those most difficult places. This was a difficult place to be a believer of Jesus. This was a difficult time. They had just crucified him. But yet here are these faithful women being there, affectionate, devoted, worshiping him. And so they are key players in this wonderful story of the burial and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And then we pick up the story in verse 4. As they stood there puzzled. Now, would you stand there puzzled? We would all stand there puzzled. What in the world has happened? I'm, I'm, I can't imagine what was running through all these ladies' minds when they walk in that, in that tomb. And you can walk in those tombs because they, they're, they're dug out of the rock. And you can walk right in there. And, and there was possibly two locations where a body could be laid. There would be like an aisle about 10 feet deep in there. And there could be a body on the right and a body on the left. And so they went inside that, that tomb. In, in the Church of the Holy Sepulcher, where most of the scholars believe that Jesus was buried, you, you can walk in and walk around the table that's in there and walk right out. And so they are, are in this tomb. They walk right in there, very different than our grave sites, our burial places. And they stood there puzzled. As they're standing there puzzled, what in the world has happened? We saw Joseph and Nicodemus take his body to this exact tomb. We are here. There's not another tomb around within a close proximity to this tomb. It's in his place, his property. He owns this. It's not like a public cemetery that, he, that they laid Jesus in. It is a private tomb, a family burial place. And they're standing there puzzled. Where has he gone? And as they're trying to figure out what in the world has taken place, two men suddenly appear to them clothed in dazzling robes. And of course, we understand that to be angels. Angels showed up and, and they, they're coming to explain to the women exactly what has happened. We also know that these angels rolled the stone away 
And, and so the, he was able to walk out and they were able to walk in. And so here we have angels, the mission of angels. I, the third reason why I know that Jesus Christ is alive today, why the resurrection can be counted on and why it's true, is you have the supernatural, supernatural happenings taking place in this world today. Angels. Angels are messengers. Angels are servants of the Lord. They carry out his assignments. And it was important that these, these disciples of Christ heard the truth about what had taken place. And so the Father sends these angels to this grave, to this site, to begin the process of spreading the truth of the message about Jesus being risen from the grave. They're terrified. Of course, they'd be terrified. You and I would be terrified as well. If we saw two men in the tomb in this dazzling uh, robes that just were bright, and maybe perhaps it's like the Shekinah glory of God, and it just, just the power of God was over those angels. They're angelic beings. They're heavenly beings, and, and his presence just, just emanates from them. The women were terrified, verse 5 says, and bowed with their faces to the ground. Then the men asked, why are you looking? Why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? Now that right there is a beautiful statement that they begin the conversation that with these ladies with. Man, think about that for just a moment. Why? Are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? That's a great question for us to ask ourselves. That's a great question for us to ask other people. Why are you living like the Lord is dead? Why, why are you puzzled here? Don't you remember? He go, they go on to ask him. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Remember what he told you back in Galilee that the Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful man and be crucified, and that he would rise again on the third day. Do you remember what he told you? He told you that this was going to happen. He, he told you that he would be uh, tortured, that he would go through this horrible crucifixion at the hands of sinful men. You saw that, and he would rise again. He would rise up from the grave. Buried, dead, and resurrected on this Easter Sunday celebration day. On Sunday morning, Jesus came back to life, and the stone was rolled away from the tomb, and he walked out, and he's gone. He's not there. Why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? Now, you think about this. We do not worship a dead God. We are, not, uh, we are not part of a dead religion. Our, our faith is alive. Our faith is connected to Jesus who is alive. And he rose from the grave. And so if you're looking among the dead for someone who is alive, if, if, you're, if, if that's where your heart is today, you're not truly able to celebrate Easter the resurrection day, because Jesus is, is alive. And so I hope that speaks to you. I hope that you can see that we look among the living for the risen Christ. He is alive, not some dead, cold, uh, dark, 
religion are we part of? He isn't here, they said. He is risen from the dead. Remember what he told you back in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be betrayed in the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and that he would rise again on the third day. And so these angels are, are just spectacular, and they're there for an important mission to announce, remember what he said. Remember, he told you that he would rise from the grave. Destroy this temple in three days. I will rise it up again. Here you got it. And, and, and so that's the ministry of the angels. And so I believe in the resurrection because God not only orchestrated the burial of Jesus with Nicodemus and Joseph Arimathea, the right people to get the body from Pilate, but I also believed in the resurrection because just like there were faithful women back then, there are faithful people today in the darkest of the most difficult of places and the mission and the ministry of angels all around us. And they're doing the work of the Lord. They rolled the stone away and they communicated the message to these faithful women. Now, verse 8, have a wonderful thing here. Then they remembered that he had said this. Everything changed with that remembering. Everything changed. Can you imagine the looks on their faces when they heard those words from the angels? Can you imagine what took place? I I, I can just see Mary Magdalene, the former prostitute, had come to find life and peace and purpose in Christ. Can you imagine the look on her face? when she remembers that Jesus said that he would suffer at the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and rise from the grave? Man, I, I, I would love to have been there on that very first Sunday morning. Man, 10 billion hallelujahs would not, not adequately express what you felt in your worship of God. I mean, that he's alive, and they're, they're just, they see the napkin folded. They see the garment folded. They, they, they see the empty tomb, and they're standing there and said, just on the Sabbath day, on the Sabbath afternoon, Jesus was placed right here, and now he's no longer here. He's alive. And so the, the work of the, of, the, of the Lord in these ladies' lives. And so they remembered. And so the angels performed their role. And here's the fourth reason. The fourth reason is this, beginning in verse 9. So they rushed back from the tomb to tell his 11 disciples. You remember Judas is no more and Matthias has yet to be chosen. So they rushed back from the tomb to tell his 11 disciples and everyone else what had happened. Man, I'm sure they ran very quickly. I'm sure this was a quick trip. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and several other women who had told the apostles what had happened. Now, verse 11. I'm, I'm not too hard on these disciples because I can put myself in their shoes, and I'm not sure what my response would have been that Sunday morning about the resurrection story. But verse 11 tells us, but the story sounded like nonsense. The English Standard Version says idle talk, 
like empty words. But the story sounded like nonsense to the men, so they didn't believe it. However, Peter, now the Gospel of John says that Peter and John ran to the tomb, and John outran Peter, and that's probably true. However, Peter jumped up and ran to the tomb to look, stooping. He peered in and saw the empty linen wrappings. Then he went home wondering what had happened. Now, this is the beginning of the great transformation of Peter. Remember, Peter denied the Lord. Remember, Peter, when they arrested Jesus, he took the sword and he went after Malchus, one of the temple guards. And so Peter has a history of not responding well. Peter has a history of not quickly picking up the information necessary to believe, to trust, to understand. And, and Jesus, Peter's the one that told Jesus when Jesus was explaining to them that, that he would die, that he would be taken away. And Peter says, there's no way in the world that's ever going to happen to you because I'm here and I'm going to whip them all. That was his, his idea. That was his mindset. And Jesus says, Peter, get behind me. Get behind me, Satan. Don't get in the way of what I'm going to fulfill. Now, the beginning of Peter's transformation. He is reconciled on the beach of the Sea of Galilee. He has the breakfast on the beach, and Jesus says three times to him, Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Now he's saying, Peter, do you phileo me? Do you brotherly love me? Peter, do you phileo me? Do you brotherly love me? Is there affection for me? And Peter's getting really upset. And he says, you know I do. You know I do, Lord. Man, I, I'm, I, I know that Peter's heart was crying out and said, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for what I did. I'm sorry for my denial. I'm sorry for not understanding. I believe and I trust. And then that third time, Jesus said to Peter, Peter, do you agape me? Do you really love me? And, and Peter says, yes, Lord, I do. I do, Lord. And Jesus says, well, feed my sheep. You have purpose, Peter. You are the man that I've called to take the gospel from this point on to the rest of the world. And it had a great plan for the life of Peter. But at verse 12, that transformation began. Now, we don't have any record here to know how much unbelief there was in, in that, in that when he heard the news that Jesus was resurrected. We're not sure exactly where Peter was in verse 11. We're not sure exactly where he was exactly at this time in verse 12 when he peeks in that tomb and he sees that the tomb is empty. But we do know that one of the greatest transformations that's ever happened, happened in the life of Peter. And he went from being uh, a coward. He went from being afraid. He went from having trouble with belief and trust in God. And he became the mighty warrior that God would use. And you think about it, just 50 days later at Pentecost, he stands up on the ascending steps of the temple. That's the, the most possible, most likely place where that sermon took place in Acts chapter 2 because it was big enough for at least 3,000 people to be able to hear the truth preached. It was a powerful message. It was a bold message. And that message was in front of the Roman authorities and the temple guard and all the leaders that were absolutely just, uh, just dedicated to destroying 
the message about Jesus. And he stood up there and said exactly what had happened to Christ, exactly who he was, that he was the Messiah, and they needed to repent of their sins and turn to God. And they would find truth. They would find hope. They would find what they've been longing for of just an amazing transformation happened in the life of Peter. Now, that's the fourth reason why I believe in the resurrection. Peter's life was transformed. Just, just think about in, in your understanding, in your, in, your, in, in your walk of life, in the people that you know, just think about all the people you know whose lives have been completely transformed by Jesus. There was hatred, now there's love. There was anger, now there's peace. There was no purpose, and now there's purpose. There was just a past that was wrecking them and just holding on and just battering them, and now they walk with their head up high, and they have hope and they have joy in their life. And it's all because they met this risen Lord and he entered their life and he changed them. He is changing them. He is transforming them from who they were to who they are now. All the changed lives, all the testimonies of people who've had their lives changed, like Peter to me, are just absolute pieces of evidence that the resurrection did take place and Jesus most assuredly is alive today. So four reasons, four things for you to consider today. If you're not quite sure that Jesus is alive today, think about how God orchestrated things for Joseph to be in the right place at the right time to be able to get Jesus's body from Pilate. Think about these faithful women. Now, they just saw their leader crucified, and here they are running to that tomb. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine the, the faith that was overcoming their fear? They were faithful. Just think about all the faithful people that are in difficult times in dark places today. Just living proof to me of the resurrected Lord. Think about the angels. Think about these angels that were sent by God to bring about this wonderful experience for the women, an, uh, an energizing experience, uh, something that they could rest on, count on, they could look back to. And just think about how today God uses his wonderful messengers to bring about his purpose today. And then, of course, just the fourth reason is Peter's life was completely transformed. He became a new man, and he became a powerful man in the Lord. And he was able to go and do and be bold on those temple steps in Jerusalem with all the enemies watching him. Think about today, all the people you know whose lives have been transformed and shout hallelujah, praise the Lord, and just celebrate what Jesus Christ has done, is doing, and is going to accomplish for us. Jesus is alive. God bless you. Have a wonderful Sunday.